talking crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Captain Ed Mamet and Detective Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Top Talk. My name is Kevin Schroeder, retired NYPD detective, and I'm here with my co-host, Captain Ed Mamet. Hello, everybody. Here we are again with another episode of Cop Talk. And the guest we have is a very, very dear friend of mine, both he and his wife. I'm looking forward to this interview. And we've had him on before, and we're giving him the opportunity to speak again. Our guest today is George Grasso. As you know, everyone, and if you don't know, you'll know after this, after this episode, George Grasso is running for Queens District Attorney. He's a former NYPD First Deputy Commissioner and former judge, and now he hopes to be in the DA's office in Queens on November 7th. Welcome, Judge. It's great being with you tonight. Thank you very much for having me, Kevin and Ed. Well, we know that uh, you have a fabulous background. uh, People don't know from the last interview we had, George was a longtime member of the New York City Police Department. He became a deputy commissioner of the, the legal bureau. And then when he left the police department, he became a judge. He's been a judge for quite a few years, at least a dozen years, right, George? Yeah, just uh, almost 13 years, about 12 years and eight months before I left on August 31st of 22. I resigned as the administrative judge in Queen Supreme Court criminal term, even though my term of office was not up until December 31st of 2024, because... Frankly, I'm disgusted about what's going on in public safety in New York, and I felt I could do much more about it as a district attorney than I could as a judge. All right, so, um, George, one of the topics that's very timely, as you know, is the uh, situation with the former Marine Daniel Penny. But in the news, apparently there's been a uh, motion submitted by his defense counsel to assist the case for uh, reasons that I'm not totally uh, aware of at the moment. And I'm assuming you know the reasons for it. Could you tell us about that? Well, I mean, there's a case that I think is somewhat emblematic in many ways of uh, the culture of fear that we've been facing in our city in general and our subways in particular over the last several years. I mean, to start out with, no matter how you look at this, it's a tragic circumstance. There was an individual named Neely He was on the subway, uh, African-American man um, of pretty good height and and apparent strength, uh, who was uh, apparently um, uh, severely mentally disturbed. He also had a warrant uh, for another matter where he uh, assaulted a woman and punched her in the face without apparently any provocation and cracked her cheekbone. And um, he had other cases where he was um, convicted of crimes. And uh, he had this warrant on this very serious matter. And here he is on the subway. And um, according to uh, initial accounts, he was acting in a menacing way. Initial accounts was a little, you know, uh, inconclusive about just how menacing he might have been and, and the threats that people faced. But there was clearly threatening action on his part. Um, Mr. Mr. Penny, Mr. Penny was um, was sitting on that subway train, and um, he he saw a situation where that um, 
he felt that the people on the subway car could be in some could be in some danger. And um, so he chose instead of just sitting there like a potted plant uh, uh, to intervene uh, to try and um, to try and 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 deal with the situation in a way where nobody would would be injured. Uh, one thing led to another, and uh, he physically held uh, held Mr. Neely in a manner that uh, appeared to be like a chokehold. And as these days, we know everybody has cameras, and um, the essence of of this interaction uh, was caught on the um, on the video. Uh, unfortunately, and this all went down in a matter of a couple of minutes on a, on a subway car. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Neely expired. Now, if the system worked the way it was supposed to work, uh, Mr. Neely would have already been in jail. He would have was encountered apparently in the initial reporting by the police and they had some kind of a program where they did not ask people who appeared to be homeless, they didn't even do a warrant check. That's insane. If a warrant check would have been done, Mr. Neely's warrant would have popped. He would have been back where he was supposed to be in jail, having been convicted for a very serious previous assault. He'd be alive and the public and Mr. Penny wouldn't have had to deal with the circumstance, but, but that didn't happen. So, Alvin Bragg, the district attorney who's famous for the day one memo, where he listed all the crimes that he's not going to prosecute, decides this is a case to put in the grand jury and indict Mr. Penny for second degree manslaughter, which is quite serious. Uh, Mr. Penny could face theoretically between 15 and 19 years in jail if convicted on the top count. Now, what's significant, Ed, in terms of talking about this today, is there was a, an article published last evening in the New York Post where in a motion to dismiss by Mr. Penny's lawyer, certain statements by witnesses who were on the train at that time and were reported, and I'm getting my information from the Post article, so I just want to make that clear. I haven't read the grand jury minutes or any. I've read the Post article where the Post is quoting from motion papers from Mr. Penny's defense attorney that are, uh, are reported to quote from grand jury minutes. But what we have in there are people who are afraid of dying, children terrified, an individual you know, throwing his jacket on the floor and saying things like, I'm ready to die. I don't care if I go to Rikers. So the question becomes, how much are, are people riding the New York City subway system? Not only are they being, are we, are we and, I, and I can talk about my own personal experience, shortly after the case involving Mr. Neely and Mr. Penny on the subway. So when I say we, I certainly include me in we, how how long, much longer are we going to deal with a situation where we have police who don't know what their authority is? We have dangerous, mentally Ill, Ill individuals, often homeless, often male, often with a fair amount of physical strength. 
often armed one way or the other, whether it's nice uh, knives or just in, also in the paper this morning, a police officer had alcohol thrown in his face on a subway by a homeless man who he thought was going to throw a match and douse him. Are we going to face these situations and be afraid of that? And then when we have people who are sitting next to are afraid that they're going to die because of the activity of this individual, then we also have to be fearful that if we act not with a weapon, not with a knife, not with a gun, but with our own physical strength to try and de-escalate de -escalate the situation, and some harm comes to the individual who was escalating to begin with, we're going to end up indicted for serious crimes like manslaughter. So from what I've read in the New York Post, this is really making me think, and again, I'm working with information that I read in the newspaper article, quoting from grand jury minutes that was reportedly in the defense attorney. But from what I've seen so far, it seems to me that this prosecution is probably or very well may be a travesty of justice. And frankly, I'm very, very concerned about it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Let me ask you this. If well, you were the district attorney at the time, would you have put the would you have uh put it into the grand jury and then let the grand jury make the decision? Because what happened in this case, they arrested the guy without the before the indictment. Wouldn't it have been appropriate since Penny was a reputable in, individual, wasn't going to go anywhere, to put it into the grand jury and let the grand jury decide whether he should be indicted? And then arrest them afterward. I don't know if you. I don't know if you necessarily have to 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 do that. I mean, for example, there was the case in Brooklyn, not too long ago. This is all over the city: Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, where there was. Um, if my memory is correct, there was a young African American man. He was on the subway. Another case on the subway, and there was another man who was engaging in threatening behavior, allegedly. And I think this young man was with his girlfriend, if my memory is right. And one thing led to another, and he stabbed the guy, and I think the guy died. Now, in that circumstance, I believe the district attorney, Gonzalez, now, in that case, the guy who stabbed, I think both the person who stabbed the individual and the person who got stabbed, I think they were both young African-American males, and I'm working from memory on this. But my recollection there is that T.A. Gonzalez, and, and that individual was initially arrested by the NYPD. He might have even been charged with homicide. But, but Eric Gonzalez, the D.A., looked at that case and, to my recollection, never went to the grand jury. 
and he cut the charges in that case. So there's a multitude of things. I would not necessarily, in a case like the Neely case, I don't know if I would necessarily go go running into the grand jury. And the thing with grand juries, too, I mean, there was a chief judge in New York. They can, they can be very tricky. Sal Wachtler, who famously said in the grand jury, you can indict a ham sandwich. Remember that, Ed? Remember when Sal Wachtler said that? That became a, a famous way a sitting chief judge of the state of New York Court of Appeals described the grand jury. So the thing with grand juries a lot, a lot depends on how the matters are presented. But what I'm saying is from what I see of these facts now and the context of what we're living with in New York every day, to take a private citizen like Mr. Penny, who I think individuals who were in the car with him felt that his actions were heroic and only began to feel safe when he acted physically to try and gain control of the situation. I also say this in the context, I had an incident just days after, in early May. I, I actually spoke about this incident because by coincidence, I did a radio show on, uh, on another program, on another WMCA AM 970 in early May of this year uh, with Imran Ansari. And this, and this issue was out there. And I was talking about in my own circumstance it was in the morning. I was on the sixth train. I was going to a medical appointment, a medical appointment, and and it was a my stop was Hunter and E six eight. By the way, not part of this conversation, but sitting next to me is Natalie Reisman. She's my campaign manager. Natalie and I had a had a campaign event earlier in the morning. Then I had a medical appointment, so Natalie and I got on the sixth train together. While we were on the sixth train, there was an African-American man, a slim man, about 50 years old. He starts talking about stabbing effing people, stabbing effing people in the face. Now, I'm sitting next to Natalie. We're at a car. We're at the part of the car right by the doorway where you can go in between cars. So this started happening, say, around 14th Street-ish, around like that. This was around 11 o'clock in the morning. So it was a sparsely, it wasn't a packed subway car. And there were a lot of like middle-aged or elderly people sitting in small areas. And he was going to the benches and saying this. He wasn't waving a knife, but he was looking at people. I'm going to stab you. I'm going to stab you in the face. Now, Natalie was going to the Long Island Railroad. So she got off at 34th Street, right? 34th, mm -hmm. 34th Street. And I stayed on the subway train because I was going to 68th and Hunter for my medical appointment. Now, I could have gotten, frankly, I could have gotten in, out of that particular subway car and went to another subway car and extricated myself from the situation. But being a former police officer, even though I'm no youngster, I know I look very youthful, but I'm 66. At the time, I was 65. But I, I felt serious concern for the other people. A lot of them were middle-aged and all the women on that train. So I stayed in my seat, and I kept looking out of the side of my eye. While I was sitting there, I was thinking of this whole situation that just occurred with Mr. Penny and Mr. Neely. It had just happened. So we not only have to be fearful of the situation that we might be confronted with, right. The fact that we might find ourselves like defendants in major grand jury investigations. So I'm watching right. all of this. And 
And I made a decision. If I saw a knife come out, now this might have been a crazy decision because believe me, I'm no hero, I'm no martyr. But if I saw a knife come out, I was going to intervene. And he just kept moving. And he ended up right in front of me. And he says, I stab you in the face. I don't see a knife. Then he goes in between to the next car. So then we get to Hunter 6A. I get out. Now, at that station, there's a long, narrow escalator. I get on the S. Guess what? This guy follows me. Whether he looked out the window and saw me, or he, but in any event, he gets out of the car. He was in. I get out of the car. I was in. Now, I'm walking up that escalator, but he's moving fast. He's coming for me. It's a narrow escalator. He came right to my step on the same step, turned around, looked me in the face and said, I'm going to stab your effing eyes out. Now, what am I doing? I'm looking at the hands and I'm, I'm, I've got to calculate. When do I decide to, if, do I act when he says I'm going to stab your effing eyes out? Maybe I could have acted then, but I chose not to. But fortunately, that didn't happen. Now, let's say let's say he's pulling something out, and I don't know what it is, and he goes down the steps. Because the other part of the calculation, he could take that. You don't know how quick somebody could be. I tell you, he was about 50. He was at least 15 years younger than me. He right. could stab me in the gut and perforate an organ and make my wife a widow. How many of these? Th and then what happens is that doesn't happen, obviously. He goes up another couple of steps, runs off laughing. I look for a police officer to report it to. There's no police officer. So I just go to my medical appointment. Now, just two weeks ago, two to three weeks ago, I'm reading the New York Post. I see a story of a 74-year-old man thrown on the subway tracks. Ended up breaking part of his, fracturing his spine. I see the perp. They got, looks like this guy. I look at the, I look at the article. Oh. Guess where it happened? Hunter 68. Now, can I swear a couple of months later, this is, but I'm telling you, this looked like the guy, but this is the, this is the, and now we've got a, a 74 year old man with a broken back. Now the police department is trying to put out statistics and we love the, we were all in the police department. We know the job. They, oh, look at the statistics. It's say it's safer. It's not safer. I would say in terms of fear and disorder on subways, I think it's as bad, if not worse as I've ever seen it in my life. Because in the past, even when the crime stats were higher, NYPD officers had more options with respect to these individuals. If they're jumping over turnstiles, if they're violating the law to arrest them. To do, with these bail laws, everybody's out. They don't even give a real arrest anymore for those lower level crimes. It's a, some kind of a, a ticket that means, not an adjudication bureau ticket that means nothing. This is all feeding a culture of, of fear that's being unreported and underreported, and we're seeing the consequences of that every week. And in this context, right. this Marine is on trial for manslaughter. I don't know. It's not feeling right to me right now from everything I know about it in the context of everything I just said. Judge, they say that assaults on police officers, NYPD, is up 25%, which is totally ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I saw, well, the, what about the incident I just mentioned that we read in the paper this morning? And I think it was a Harlem stop. Two cops in uniform 
one of these homeless guys, I'm going to assume they said he had a dozen records on his prior. He takes what they believe was rubbing alcohol, throws it in the face of the cop and was going for a match. Could have burned the cop's face off. There's no the respect for law enforcement and police officers is being undermined by the New York State Legislature and the New York City Council doing everything they can to undermine police authority. Everything from the bail laws to removing um, limited immunity, which we discussed the last time from on your program. It's like all, all legislators in New York, Democratic legislators in the council, in the governor's office, in the uh, state assembly, in the state senate, and many of our district attorneys, Mr. Bragg being one of them, are doing everything to call into question and undermine accountability and authority, which opens the pathway for people to feel comfortable to assault police officers, whether it's throwing rubbing alcohol in their face and possibly getting ready to burn them or kick them or beat them or do whatever else to them. Judge, I believe the Manhattan DA's office anyway has a unit to monitor all the police officers' uh, body cameras, and but not really to help the prosecution, but basically to go after the cop because maybe they think he could have done something different. And that's ridiculous. Right. Right. And I'm not sure if it's, they're doing that in other boroughs with the DA's office, but I know from Ryan's standard doing it in Manhattan. It doesn't so. seem the priority in Manhattan is protecting the public. No, you it's know, not. it really doesn't. And, 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 you know, the thing is, but I'm running for district attorney in Queens. So the thing about what I see happening in Queens and in the other counties, I'll give D.A. Bragg this. From day one, literally with his memo, he was right out front and direct and honest. Here are my priorities and here are what aren't my priorities. And he's been following through on that. Right. But the uh, but what's happening in some of the with the other D.A.s can be in a way a little bit more insidious. The D.A.s in the New York City district attorneys should be united in outrage about what's going on. They should using the fullest extent of authority to protect people on the subways, on the streets, to protect the merchants who are being pillaged, to do something about the poison that's being sold with fentanyl on our streets. They should have policies and programs and maximizing their authority. And when they need more authority, they should be very vocal. But what are they doing? They're doing the opposite. They're being used as pawns. Here's what I mean. So Governor Hochul, at the beginning of 2023, said, I'm going to do something about a dangerousness standard. I'm going to do something about these discovery laws. And I'm going to take it to the legislature in the budget process. And then she does nothing. And then what does she do? She has what I call a propaganda press conference up in Albany, with a banner saying public safety, and there's DA Katz right up there standing with other New York City district attorneys, smiling and waving and buying into the propaganda instead of, instead of calling it out. That's why George Grasso is in this race. That's why it's Grasso public safety. I won't be smiling and waving at propaganda press conferences. I'll be calling this stuff out. And I'll make it very clear, anybody who assaults, first of all, anybody who hurts anybody in Queens County better put their seatbelts on and get ready for accountability. And if you assault a police officer in the line of duty, 
get ready for a felony prosecution if I can make a felony stick. And that'll be clear and that'll be consistent. By the way, as I also discussed with you last time, as, as you know, and Ed knows, I have an extensive background in police discipline. That doesn't get the police officers hook, off the hook for doing their job properly, complying with the law, and being held accountable themselves if they violate the law. But we need accountability off, like you said earlier, Kevin, the body cams are just being used to build cases on police officers, not to right. build cases to protect the public. You know, we got we got to get back to the real world. And that's why we have this culture of unsafety. And that's why I'm in this race with everything I have. So you're making a perfect argument for a single DA for the city of New York. What always bugged me, there are 62 counties in the state of New York. 57 of them each have their own district attorneys. New York City, by its unique uh, construction, is the five boroughs, which are actually five counties. And for each county, there's a separate district attorney dealing with one police department. And from the time I went into the police department, which was many years ago, I said, this is insane, because I was in a citywide unit. So one week I'd be in one district attorney's office, another week I'd be in another district attorney's, and there was no uniformity. You know, and, and um, right. I only felt that that, that, should, that should be changed, you know, because you have one police department. Why should one police department deal with five district, five, five different district attorneys? How do you feel about that, George? Well, I got, I got to tell you, that I understand why you're saying that. But frankly, I don't see that as a significant problem at all. And here's why. Because you were in the police department in the mid-90s when we had crime, we had murders over 2,200, almost 2,300. We had these unprecedented levels of violence. And when Commissioner Brannon came in and, and I helped him put together his quality of life strategy, we worked with every district attorney. We worked with each of the five district attorneys. And we worked in a, in a cohesive, collaborative, and positive way. So that's what changed. We've proven that we can work with five district attorneys in New York City, and we can bring New York City to unprecedented levels of public safety and all of the other issues that we have in New York. And that's why, that's why I walked out on, on August 31st of 2022. I walked out of the courthouse. I loaded up my, my car with the stuff from my chambers, waved goodbye, and next day I drove to Albany. I went to the Board of Elections. I filed a committee, Grasso for Queens, and I went all in on this. And that's what I've been doing for the last 16, 16 plus months of my life, because these are the stakes. And we need a district attorney who knows what he's doing, knows what she's doing, and has the courage and the convictions and understands, understands that the core role of a district attorney is to make the women and men in the county that they serve safe. I think we've lost something there. And yes. I'm here to bring that. I'm in fact, I know we've Judge. lost something there. Judge, let everyone know, when is the the um, the voting open up, the early voting? Early voting begins on October 28th. It goes until okay. it goes until November 5th. The general election is November 7th. And anyone who's interested in my campaign should go on the computer. Grasso for Queens. Very easy. Grasso for Queens. They'll see my platform. They'll see me. Uh, I, I have a platform at length where I deal with quality of life and victim rights, hate crimes. 
But quality of life, I'm going to say, is a centerpiece. And I've got a comprehensive plan to involve the community and bring it back. I'm not just giving you a lot of empty rhetoric. I've got a plan. It's on the website. George, you said, uh, given the restrictions that have been placed on law enforcement, you know, the cashless bail, the um, qualified immunity, uh, all the other things that you have talked about that affect the district attorney's um, discovery pro discovery law problem and the police. As the DA of Queens, how would you compensate for that? Is there a way to, for you to get around it and make sure that the job of law enforcement and the prosecutions are done in spite of all those restrictions? Yes, it's on my website. So when I say I'm going to restore quality of life, I, my plan isn't to sit back and wait until the legislature reconsiders these ill-considered laws, which I will fight for. But what I will do immediately, we're creating something called community action boards. We're going to we're going to divide Queens into five sections, Northeast Queens, Northwest Queens, Southeast Queens, Southwest Queens and the Rockaways. And with these community action boards, I'm going to have a bureau chief reporting directly to me. And I'm going to go into each of the sections of Queens right out of the box. And we're going to have like mini town hall meetings. You both remember what the town hall meetings are. But I'm going to run the town hall meetings with my bureau chief. I'm going to have the police borough committee, appropriate borough commander, whether it's Queens North Borough Command. By the way, Queens North over the last two years, seven major crimes are up in the 60 percent range. Robberies and felony assaults are up in the 60 percent range. Precincts like the 109 and the 110, they're up in the 80, 90 percent range. Crime is off the hook in Queens. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And that's New York City, NYPD, Comstat data, effective through October 1st that I just quoted. So let's get out of la-la land in the real world. And I'm going to have these I'm going to have these mini town hall meetings. We'll have the borough commander. We'll have the precinct commanders involved. I'll have civic associations. I'll have I'll have church organizations. I'll have um, um, uh, merchants associations. And, and I'm going to run these meetings and we're going to get the people in the community to articulate what they think their main problems are and the kinds of enforcement that they're looking for. And then I'm going to bring in the command precinct commanding officers and the borough commanders, and we're going to get a sync about what the priorities are going to be. And then I'm going to say, as your DA, chief law enforcement officer of this county, I assure you everything that can be done will be done by me and my office and my bureau chief and the NYPD to establish and maintain the priorities that you said are your community priorities. And on a parallel track, I will fight like the devil to get the Queens assembly people and the Queens Senator state Senator representatives to be our advocates with the state legislature for the changes in the law that will even facilitate further my ability to do that. So I have a plan, Ed, and I can implement that plan. And when I get elected, that's how we're going to get and NYC's recovery is going to start in Queens because one, when I win, it will be a political earthquake throughout the city. And two, 
Once I start doing this and getting success, you'll see the other district attorneys jumping on the bandwagon mm -hmm. and wanting to do the same thing. I like it. Well, I'd like to thank you, Judge, for taking your time out from your campaign, and I wish you much luck on November 7th. Everyone, Judge George Grasso. Good luck, Judge. Good luck November 7th. At this time, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to another episode of Cop Talk. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Cop Talk WABC, and that's at Cop Talk WABC. Until next time, stay safe out there. Thank you for listening.